Hello, everybody. It's Jeff from the Fantasy Doctors, and this is the Fantasy Doctors Podcast, the only podcast on the web where you get expert injury analysis and accurate timetables from board-certified physicians and orthopedic surgeons. Be wary of the basement blogger that calls himself the injury expert that's giving you timetables and injury analysis. These are board-certified physicians and, and surgeons giving you accurate medical analysis. And that's what we have on this show. It's a weekly show. This is our fourth episode. Welcome. If you're new here, go to iTunes and subscribe. With me, as always, is my partner. He's a Duke professor. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He's a fantasy doctor, and his name is Dr. Seelan Preck. Dr. Preck, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. Crazy, crazy first week, right? Man, it's been nuts. High-profile, big injury. And not only the big injuries, but, you know, when we bring Jesse on and, and you'll, you'll hear that a lot of strange injuries, the ones that we don't very often see in the NFL. So it's been kind of a, a weird way to kick off the, the season. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I said it in the intro. If, if, you know, for our listeners, the David Johnson injury, and we're going to talk about that real soon, but there was this hysteria and there were so many different timetables and different outlets or saying he's going to be out this long or, and other people were saying, you know, a different timetable. And for our listeners, that's why you tune into this show. These are real physicians giving you what you need for your fantasy teams. Um, so you have an idea of how long your star player is going to be out. No, you're absolutely right, Jeff. I mean, we are guys who've been in the trenches. We've taken care of collegiate athletes, professional athletes. We know what goes on behind the scenes. We know what goes on when we're looking at those videos, and we're pretty accurate when we're looking at those videos and, and picking apart what the possibilities of the injuries are and, and setting those timetables. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, that let's bring in our other uh, co-host. He's also a physician. Uh, and he's a sports medicine fellow. His name is Dr. Jesse Morris. Dr. Morris, how you doing tonight? Wonderful. How are we? Hey, Jesse. What's going doing on? Good. I, are you dry from the storm there? Oh, yeah. It was a long week. Let's put it that way. I drove to New Orleans and back. Yeah, and you got stuck in some crazy traffic, didn't you? It took me 19 hours to come back. It should have taken me nine. I oh, mean, man. listen, our thoughts and prayers are with all those people who suffered heavy losses there. It's, uh, it's especially the drone footage of, of the destruction. It's, it's crazy. Yes, thankfully Tampa didn't get hit too bad, but I didn't really get a chance to see much of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, seen, we're glad you're... What's we're, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we're glad to have you back, Jesse. I know it's been a rough few days, and... Uh, we're glad to have you back for this podcast, for sure. Thank you. Well, guys, we've got a bunch of players to talk about, and we're going to start off with the biggest, okay? And uh, I alluded to him earlier. It's David Johnson, who suffered that wrist injury and uh, subsequent surgery. This is the player that everybody wants to talk about, and everybody is probably tuning in to hear. So, Dr. Preck, Break down this injury and the surgery and kind of give us uh, your expectations for David Johnson uh, going forward. Yeah, you know, if you look at the video, there's, there's even some controversy on, as to which play he got hurt in. Um, and initially, the play that he got hurt in, he came down on his left hand, 
grasped his wrist. Um, but if you watch the video, you're not clear if he grasped his wrist or he's grasping his abdomen. So it's really strange as to what's going on. And then uh, we're led to believe that he actually may not have hurt his hand on that play. It may have been the, the play where he fumbled. Uh, so it's just it's it's very um, unclear as to what's going on when the injury happened. And I think that really kicked off that that controversy that started kind of spiraling on 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 social. Um, the bottom line is we finally found out he dislocated his wrist. Now, that's a big bucket term because when you think about dislocating your wrist, you're thinking the hand has popped off the forearm bones. But really, that's not what happened. He had a dislocation of one of the bones within the wrist. So if you feel your wrist and you feel where the wrist moves up and down on the forearm, there are a bunch of bones, small bones, that are called the carpal bones. And what he dislocated is one of those carpal bones. Now, to do that and to dislocate it, you usually will tear some of the ligaments that, that stabilize that bone, and that's where you can then get instability. Um, and, and so that's what the controversy was about his need for surgery or not. Was the bone, once it got popped back into place, was it stable and would not need surgery, or was it unstable and required surgery? The second opinion verified what probably the first opinion was, which was that, you know what, he needs surgery. Now, this becomes critical for a running back who's trying to hold on to a ball, trying to move the ball from one hand to another. You know, if this was a, a lineman or a linebacker, you can get away with just playing you know, having surgery, and within a week or two, playing with a club on that hand and getting back onto the playing field. But being a person who's handling the ball all the time and who's asked to handle the ball um, and, and catch it, you can't play with a club. And that's where the two- to three-month timeline falls into place. He really uh, cannot be back on the playing field till his wrist and his hand are functional to, to control a ball. So it'll take two to three months for that to happen. And look for him to wear a very low-profile pro brace on that hand when he comes back. Yeah, Coach Arians was quoted today as saying they hope, and hope is the key word here, to have Johnson back by Christmas. So is that in play, Dr. Prick? Yeah, I think so. I think that's very much in play. I mean, that puts us really, you know, into the three-and-a-half-month timeline. Um, so I think that's absolutely possible. And then if, you know, if they make a run deep into the playoffs, then I think it's even more likely. But the first step is having the surgery, which there's some controversy if it's happening today or tomorrow. And he's not out of the woods once that surgery is done. That ligament has to heal. It's a tiny ligament, and that has to heal reliably. Um, and, and sometimes the instability persists and can really affect his, his ultimate career. So he's not out of the woods even after the surgery. It's such a bummer. The uh, consensus number one pick in fantasy football. Such a big loss. Now, this yeah, is my next question. Jesse, is, you know, with him out... Somebody's obviously going to have to step in, Jesse. Now, they announced that Kerwin Williams is going to be the starter, and he'll, and then next in line will be Andre Ellison, and then they recently signed Chris Johnson. How is this? What's the fantasy fallout from, I mean, aside from losing the best player, or the best running back in football, Jesse, what do you see the fantasy fallout being there for the Cardinals? Yeah, this is a, this is a big deal. I mean, the issue with, with your number one pick going down to fantasy is that 
they're so valuable. If you have the number one pick in your draft, unless you're in an auction, you don't have their next pick until the last pick of the second round. So you literally are thin because of that number one pick. So now you likely don't have another two solid running backs to replace him. The other one plus you usually whoever you're going to replace him with. And the fact that the Cardinals don't have anybody either. They have Kerwin Williams who replaced him in the game and ended up getting the touchdown when DJ went down. But uh, I'm not super high on him. Andre Ellington will be the third down back and, and he's a vet and, you know, he's a good pass catcher, but I don't know what to make of it. Can Chris Johnson kind of return to form when he had, you know, uh, 815 yards a couple of years ago? But I doubt it. I mean, those legs are getting older. I mean, they just picked up uh, Foster off of the Patriots, uh, you know, practice squad. I'm just, I don't know really where to go with this, and it may not be anybody. It may be a running back by committee, and we'll just have to kind of play it by ear. Um, the question is, what do you do with Johnson if you don't have an IR spot on, on your team? Do you try to sell him to see if somebody will give you anything? Do you uh, just drop him? Or do you wait, you know, two months with a, a one last bench spot? I mean, it's it's a really tough spot, but we know he needs surgery, and we know he's going to be out until at least November, which is the majority of the season for most fantasy leagues. So this is, this is a bad, a bad injury, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really kind of destroyed a lot of people's, you know, rosters. It's funny. I was having this conversation with my three kids who are all playing fantasy and they're like, you know, what do we do? Um, And you've really outlined it really well because depending, you know, if you get lucky, even though TJ may miss, if you get lucky and he's back by Thanksgiving, he still misses the bulk of, of the season. And so um, it, it's it's tough to figure out, do you let him go or do you try to get something for him and, and who really wants something for him? So it, it's a tough yeah. decision. Well, I think the fact that you got all your kids playing fantasy is the, the biggest the thing to take <laughs> away from this. That's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah I tried doing pigskin, pigskin picking with mine and it didn't end well. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, just for context here, guys, with Kerwin Williams, he's got a, a 62.37 FDX score on the Fantasy Doctors Analytics, and we're projecting him to get 7.7 points. So not a lot from Kerwin Williams. They'll probably be in a timeshare, like Jesse said. Uh, the other big injury, guys, that of the week um, was a guy that was primed to have a big year. Hopefully the quarterback play is going to be better than it was last year, and that's Allen Robinson. Tore his ACL. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what the recovery is going to be for him, Doctor Parekh, and, and what your expectations yeah. are for him next year? Yeah, this is a big loss for the Jaguars, who are trying to rebuild and, and kind of you know uh, make a statement that they're back and, and a real team to reckon with. Um, ACL tear. You know, we all know the dreaded ACL word. Um, there are four ligaments in the knee. The ACL is one of the most critical ones, and we see these injuries happen a lot. I think the count in the preseason was up to 29. We may have even crossed 30. Um, but when you have an ACL tear, you're going to have surgery. Uh, after surgery, it's rehab, rehab, rehab. And it's usually 9 to 11 months to return to play. We usually see that first season back as a drop in performance. And then the second season, it kind of bounces back to what would have been more of the norm. Um, and so that's what you really are going to expect from, from uh, Robinson. Yeah, tough break for Robinson. That's brutal. Now, Marquise Lee, 
we'll probably see an uptick in, in targets uh, and attention from Blake Bortles. How do you see this affecting the rest of the offense there, Jesse, in Jacksonville? And do you see Marquise Lee being a guy that could you could possibly throw into your lineup this week? Well, I think uh, it, there's basically two people that are going to fall out to this. Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns. But at the end of the day, the Jaguars want to run the ball. So, yes, Lee and Hearns will be more important, but they're not going to be important. I mean, the FDX score this week has them at 25th ranked wide receiver, which may be possible, about 10 points or so. Um, but last week he had four targets. He's basically a high-ceiling, low-four guy. He's, he's kind of a risky wide receiver three flex. Uh, I would wait a, a week or two to, before you throw him in a lineup unless it's a GPP for you DFSers. Um, and Alan Hearns, I mean, he went three for 42. I mean, they're giving Fournette the ball. They're, they're targeting him. They don't really want to throw the ball a lot, which I don't blame them. Um, but the good news is that Tennessee has allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers since the start of 2016 oh, wow. season. So you may get sneaky this week and, 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 and one of those goes deep. Um, but I wouldn't target any of them specifically, maybe Lee more than Hearns, but it's a coin flip. Yeah, you mentioned uh, in DFS, he, he comes on the cheap. He's 3,800 3, on DraftKings, and we're projecting him, like you said, to get just under 10 points. So maybe a sneaky play this week. Uh, they're going to have to throw it to somebody, and him and Hearns are the obvious choices there. Uh, oh, yeah. Next, Dr. Preck, I want to talk about a guy that it seems like we talk about a lot. He's uh, always hurt. Uh, he just can't seem to stay healthy, and that is Kevin White, who fractured his scapula. What do we make of this injury? Is he going to be back uh, this year and be healthy and be able to contribute to that team or, or, or not, Dr. Breck? Yeah, I mean, this again, you know, a, a team that's trying to rebuild and struggling, and, and one of their marquee players ends up having this big injury, which is a very strange injury. You know, the initial reports came out that, oh, this was a, a collarbone injury, and then we heard the next day that, no, it wasn't a collarbone, it's a scapula. So for our listeners, the scapula is the same thing as a shoulder blade, and it is very, very rare to have a fracture or a break of that scapula. Your shoulder pads really drape over the top half of that scapula. So it's very odd to have a break there. And then on top of it to require surgery is even stranger because the scapula is a very big, broad bone. If it's going to break, it usually doesn't shift a lot. So he's having surgery. They're going to put some plates and screws on that bone. They're going to stabilize it. He should be back earliest, best case scenario, six weeks. But it's more likely eight to ten weeks is going to be the timeline that we see because the bone's got to heal enough for him to be able to move that shoulder, comfortably be able to have the agility to raise his arm up and go after catches and go after the balls. Um, And so you're really probably going to look at more of an eight to ten-week timeline for him. So we should see him back towards the end of the season. Yeah, he's not – he hasn't been very good when he is healthy, and he's not healthy very often. Jesse – who do you see? Who's going to pick up the slack there in Chicago? Is it going to be Kendall Wright? Is Marcus Wheaton's been battling injury? What do you see there in Chicago, and who is going to pick up the slack on the uh, in the receiving core? I think it's going to be a combination between Tariq Cohen, who went bananas this past week, Kendall Wright, who had four targets. He went three for four for 34 yards. Deontay Thompson, I'm not ready to kind of sell him out yet. I think he may be sneaky 
later this year, but not quite yet. He's, he only had two targets, one for 15. Zach Miller, on the other hand, good old reliable vet, um, did a uh, good job with six targets, four for 39. He's more of a high-end uh, type, uh, tight end, too. But uh, I just avoid the, the you know, Bears in terms of wide receiving and, 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 and passing at all. I'm actually going to the Bucks game this week, and I just keep an eye on who's getting what. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. I think Cohen will get up more. And we'll talk about Jordan Howard in a little bit who popped up today. I don't, I don't know what to make of this. Kevin White can't seem to get healthy. He's got loads of talent, but just can't seem to stay on the field. Unfortunate. Maybe yeah. we see him later back this year. Maybe not. Yeah, well, let's let's go ahead and stay with the Bears then. And you mentioned Jordan Howard, who was a late addition to the injury report today with a shoulder injury. Now, you mentioned Tarek Cohen had a very good week one. What, Dr. Preck, what do you make of this late addition to the injury report? Is it anything to be worried about for those fantasy owners? Uh, should they be hedging their bet with, with Howard? What do you see with this uh, shoulder injury? The fact that it was a addition, there's no no real play that I was being kind of uh, led towards where this really happened. I just think that this is probably more of a strain of the shoulder, maybe even uh, just an irritation to it. So if it's bothering him a lot, they'll probably give him an injection of steroids to calm this down, but I don't think it's going to affect his play at all this weekend. Yeah, all those guys that picked up Tarek Cohen on the waiver wire are just are, are licking their chops. They're hoping Howard sits. It's, we'll be monitoring this injury throughout the week. Uh, Jesse, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next player here, and that's Danny okay. Woodhead. I want to talk about real quick, though, Dr. Preck. Uh, let's, Danny Woodhead is was injured all throughout camp with that hamstring injury. He re-aggravated that hamstring injury early in the game in week one. It's going to miss. This is another instance where there's been lots of lots of speculation on how much time. I've heard two weeks. I've heard four weeks. I've heard as much as four to six, eight weeks even. What's yeah. what are we looking at with with Danny Woodhead? How long is he going to be out? When can fantasy owners expect him back if they held on to him? Yeah, so let's talk about hamstring injuries in general. You know, the hamstrings are a group of muscles, big group of muscles on the back of your thigh bone, and they really help to stabilize the pelvis, help to kick your hip backwards, and help to bend your knee. So they are critical for any running athlete. So that's the start off. Now, he had in the preseason a lot of these issues with the hamstring where he kept re-aggravating uh, the strain of the, of the hamstring. And so what happens here is he's, he's taking the time off, trying to get healthy, he thinks he's healthy enough. He enters the first game. There's a lot of adrenaline going. You get dehydrated. You're a bit deconditioned because you haven't played the entire preseason. You haven't practiced as much as you should. And what happens? It all goes back to re-aggravating the hamstring. And now they're in a tough spot. If the Ravens do not give him the time that he needs to really come over this and get over this hamstring, this is going to nag him the entire season. So you keep him out two weeks, and if that's not good enough and you put him back in, he'll re-aggravate, and now he's out even longer. So given this timeline and the history of what's been going on for him, I'm looking at more of a four to six weeks, maybe even an eight-week timeline where they really give him the time he needs to get over this. Because if they don't, he's going to keep having this happen. And every time this happens and re-aggravates, he's losing even more time uh, to, to heal back from it. So big injury for him. Yeah, not a guy that's, that's 
you know, that he's been injured a lot over his career, and especially the last few years, getting a little long in the tooth. Hey, Jesse, what do you are you in on Buck Allen? Uh, is Terrence West a good play this week? What's your thoughts there in the backfield for Baltimore? No, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence about West. I mean, he's he's decent, but he's not a superstar. I mean, I think Buck Allen will actually end up eventually taking more of the work from him and maybe even a little bit of Mike Campanaro, I think is how you pronounce it. He may take a little production as well. I mean, they check down a lot there. They're kind of depleted in terms of their uh, pass-catching abilities. So they're going to need somebody to kind of dump off to, and that was who Woodhead was supposed to be. And now he's got this likely severe either grade two, I doubt a grade three hamstring strain. So, I mean, he. my suspicion is that Buck Allen will be the one to go up. I don't know if it'll be this week, but um, Wes will probably still be the, the primary back with uh, Buck and, uh, and, and Campanaro as, as that change of pace back, and we'll see who kind of uh, pans out. Yeah, it's interesting. Terrence West, just to give our listeners some context on the Fantasy Doctors Analytics he grades out with a 78.32 FDX score, which is very good, and we're predicting him to get 12.63 points. Uh, Terrence West probably going to get the goal line carry, so he looks like he could be a sneaky play. He's going for $5,100 in DraftKings. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about, you guys, he's not, I don't think there's anything to worry about, but let's set everybody's mind at ease that may own Tyreek Hill. He was battling leg cramps. Is that all it was, Dr. Preck? Is there anything to be concerned about with Tyreek Hill or can guys plug him in because he's been white hot? Yeah, I think you plug him in and he's been a lightning rod for that offense. You know, he left in the fourth quarter. Again, same kind of thing. The adrenaline's going. You're a little bit deconditioned because you're coming back from being on the offseason. He did a little bit of work with the preseason, but it's not the same as real games. So you're dehydrated. You're, you're overly exhausted. The fourth quarter catches up with you, and you get cramping. So I, I imagine that this week the medical staff is really going to be kind of overseeing Tyreek Hill. Don't, don't be surprised if he ends up running to the locker room to get IV hydration to keep him hydrated throughout the game. But I'm not worried about him at all for this coming week. Yeah, how about that Chiefs offense? That was unreal. It looks like Tyreek Hill has another gear that nobody else has. He just runs by people. So <laughs> and the guy was the 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 definitely want him. Week. It made for a great opening night for uh, the NFL. What a, what a fantastic oh. uh, way it all played out. God, that was an awesome Jesse, night. is that offense for real? Is that the real deal there? Oh, yeah. Are they going to open yeah, it up for Alex Smith? Real. Yeah, I mean, Alex Smith and FDX scored really liked him last week, and um, I mean, he's not that good, but he's he's good. Kelsey will bump up this week. Hill will be back. I mean, he's they're going to use him like a ninja. He's going to be everywhere. Uh, FDX has him at 84 score with a 12.5 projection, and I'll take that. And um, I mean, he's just got a, a burst of speed like you've never seen. Um, you know, if you saw that graphic on the screen that that it showed him where he would be versus Usain Bolt, and he was like pretty close to him, like. That's insane. Like, it's hard to appreciate someone in pads on a field, but that's fast. No, it's crazy fast. I mean, you touched on Alex Smith. My question uh, is, is to both of you guys. Do you think, you know, has Alex Smith changed his game? Is he going to be able to reliably throw that ball mid-range and down the field? I mean, that's been one of his biggest criticisms throughout his career so right. far, and he's kind of been that short passer. So what do you guys, what's your take on this? Is this yeah. you, Alex well, Smith, reinvented? 
I think yeah. they're crazy I mean, if I, they don't. I, I think he's always been the dink and dunk quarterback, right? He's always been the guy that throws it underneath. But look at the weapons in Kansas City. We have a guy that can stretch the field with uh, with Tyreek, and you have guys underneath like Kelsey, and then you got uh, Hunt in the backfield. Now look at those weapons. I think they'd be crazy, yeah. especially after what they did to the Patriots in Week One if they don't open the playbook for for Alex Smith. So, so the issue I have with this is that um, he's had basically a decade of data, and this isn't him. Uh, so uh, one game, I, I'm going to call this an outlier. I mean, he went an entire year without throwing a touchdown versus to, uh, to, uh, to a wide receiver. I mean, I, I cannot <laughs> count on him having multiple touchdown passes in the red zone each week. Um, uh, I mean, he they showed a graphic where he was one of the fewest people to ever throw over 300 yards. Like, this isn't him. This was a couple fluke plays by a, uh, you know, a bombarded Patriots secondary. Uh, you know, two plays I think were over seventy yards. One to Hunt, and one to who was bananas and amazing by the way, uh, and uh, one to uh, Hill. So I think uh, between those two, those made up basically over half of his yards or close to uh, a lot of his long plays that actually weren't that long. They were like, uh, you know, 15 yards down the field and then the player ran the rest. So yes, he had a monster week. Is he going to have that five more times? I wouldn't put my money on it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, yeah, I think you know, it's hard to reinvent, reinvent yourself after about a decade of play. I think uh, I, I'm going to reserve the, the reincarnation of Alex Smith until I see a consistency like this. Now, I agree, Jeff. He's got a, a slew of weapons that he's never had before. So it, it could be that this was always in him, and now he's got uh, weapons to ex- execute. But I, I just, I'm not buying it yet. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, yeah. It's hard to tell, but that was this promising week one. They take on the Eagles at home this week. And if the, the algorithms are loving on. Uh, Travis Kelsey as well. He's at 91.85 uh, FDX score, and he's predicted to get just over 13 points. So that offense in Kansas City was hitting on all cylinders in week one. We'll see if it continues in week two. The next player, guys, he's another player that was injured in the game but came back and actually played in the game but actually and then sat out today's practice, so it's hard to know, and that is Terrence Williams. He had an ankle injury Sunday, but returned to the game. Like I said, is this something to be concerned about there in Dallas? And I know this is your team, Dr. Prex. Yeah. Let us have it. Yeah, you know, it's the opening drive, and Terrence Williams turns that ankle, and, and my God, you start thinking, oh, is this another dislocation we're going to see in week one? Um, but, but luckily, he was actually able to hobble and, and kind of limp off the field, so he knew it wasn't a dislocation. I was actually surprised to see him come back. I thought this was going to be a, a moderate ankle sprain, if not a high ankle sprain. So it was great to see him come back. He performed really well. I think the Cowboys are probably just being cautious with him. We know when you sprain your ankle, you're going to swell, there's going to be pain, and there's going to be some loss of mobilization. So I think they're just probably giving him the, the, today and maybe even tomorrow off just to get the, get the therapy under his belt, get the trainers working with him, try to optimize him. But I am... Uh, I am planning for him, and I'm hoping that he's going to be suited up Sunday against the Broncos, and I think it'll be a good matchup for them. Yeah, I got their Let hands me say a couple of quick words about tough Williams. Broncos defense. Go ahead, Jesse. I like Williams. Williams is a sneaky little guy. I mean, he's kind of forgotten about. You know, when you think of T. Williams, you think of Tyrell from the Chargers. You don't even think of Terrence. I mean, he went seven for seven for 68 yards after the ankle injury. 
Like, I mean, he he had seven targets. Witten and Bryant had nine. Elliott and Beasley had five. So th- there's a lot of the balls being thrown thrown around a lot. He is definitely a top two or three wide receiver in their system. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if I can depend on Witten as much as he did this week every week. I mean, he's getting older. Uh, and I don't know what's going on with Elliott. He may end up playing the whole year, but I like him, and I think he's. I think FDX likes him this week. It's 83 up to 15 points. I mean, that's. We'll see if he ends up playing. I think he will, but you know, he's a sneaky little guy. He's a nice wide receiver three. Yeah, I'll tell you, you're absolutely right. He is a sneaky little guy because you know Des will get you one or two if you're lucky, really big plays in the game. But Terrence Williams has. Even since last season, been a consistent receiver for Dak, and so I think that uh, you know I, I'd argue at some points that he could be your number one guy, and, and yeah, he may not get you consistently these glitzy p- plays, but he is a consistent receiver, and when it's thrown his way, he's usually get coming down with it. So um, I, I think he's a strong candidate for the two spot. Yeah, he seems to do really well there, and well, he didn't practice today, guys. So we want we're going to monitor this really closely, and you can find any of those updates at thefantasydoctors.com for sure. Uh, the next guy we've talked about every single podcast so far, so let's keep it going, huh? And that's Andrew Luck, who has already been ruled out for week two. This should come as no surprise to anybody, certainly not you two. Let's yeah. let's briefly hit on him. There's been you know the internet is all over this. And there's also been a lot of speculation as to his timetable too, Dr. Preck is, I know this doesn't surprise you and, and Dr. Morse, but can you uh, give our listeners an idea of again, what your expectations are uh, for yeah. luck? Are we going to see him at all? If they lose the first four or five games, are we even going to see Andrew luck? So that is, you know, I think a coaching football decision that, you know, how long do you wait before you say, you know what, let's keep Andrew Luck done for the year, let him take all the time he needs to continue to recover, and we'll see Andrew Luck next season, and let's try to get that first or second round draft pick and rebuild and and go from there. So that's a different discussion, but I think from the Andrew Luck shoulder perspective, you know, from a medical standpoint, I'm not worried about him yet. I mean, so he's still recovering. So he still hasn't thrown a football in any meaningful way in a practice scenario or in a game time or uh, scenario. It's not that big of a deal yet. He's still within what we medically would consider is normal timelines. He's just about to hit the nine-month mark. So, you know, we've been saying all along that if we're going to see Andrew Luck, it probably will be towards the end of September. It may even be in October. But... That's when you start having, from a coaching perspective, this is the discussion of, well, if we lost four or five games, is it even worth bringing him back? Because when he comes back, he's going to be rusty. It's not like he's going to start throwing, you know, in three weeks, and then that next game you're going to see him. They've got to get the timing down. He's got to really, from the time that you see him throw a football it, it, on the practice field, it's another two to four weeks before you see him on the, in a real game. So, you know, this gets more and more concerning for if you ever will see him this season as these weeks go on. Yeah, and this, to all of our listeners, if you've been paying attention to either Dr. Preck or Dr. Morse, they've been saying this for a long time. And that's why you need to listen to this podcast, because you're going to get the real analysis right here. And 
Hey, Jesse, this, this is a bad team. They're really, really bad. Uh, I'm, I'm not touching anybody in terms of fantasy on the Colts. It's a really bad team. Uh, what's your expectation here? Are you, are you still sticking? I know you drafted T.Y. Hilton in the league. Are you throwing these guys yep. out there? Because I'm not. So let's put it this way. First pass of the game for Tolzien, pick six. He <laughs> went nine for 18 for 128 yards. Two interceptions, both pick sixes. He was sacked four times, and he fumbled. That, it's hard to be that bad. I mean, then they brought in Brissett, who's the kid they, they just got from uh, the, 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 Red, uh, sorry, the uh, Patriots, and um, he, he's been with the team for two weeks, and he's already you know, on the field. He went two for three for 51 yards. I wouldn't be surprised if he started this week. I mean, I would avoid Hilton unless you have to play him. You don't have anybody else. I would avoid Moncrief. Maybe consider Doyle, Gore, and, and, and you know, Gore is actually a sneaky player this week, and Mac uh, had had a decent game last week. Uh, but I'm avoiding, like, the plague if I have to, um, just because this is an awful, ugly situation. Yeah, Gore's actually uh, graded out really good on the analytics. He's got an 82.81 FDX score, and they're projecting. He's got a, was it 23, almost 24% chance of scoring between 8 and 14 points. So could be a sneaky play. He's only 4,000 on DraftKings. That is a historically bad team. It looks like Tolzien has cornered the market on sucking. Well, you know, I thought the Jets were going to be the worst team this year. I, I think that the Colts beat them out for that uh, that crown. Yeah, this is a historically bad team. You, you got to think if they, if they come out of the gates and just lose just about every game, you got to wonder if they're even going to bring back Andrew Luck. You got to wonder if they just don't tank and uh, just work on the rebuild next year. Uh, another guy that we talk about a lot in. The internet blew up, I think it was this morning, when this guy was spotted having a dance-off in a nightclub, and that's Odell Beckham Jr., who is still <laughs> battling a high ankle sprain. <laughs> yeah. I, I missed that. Think it was with, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he good was enough for a dance-off. He's good enough Westbrook. to get on the field, my man. <laughs> yeah, so, right, is that a good, that is, that's a good litmus test, right, for Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> I think you can count on him playing this week, right, Doctor? Well, so let's, let's you know, he was about three and a half weeks out uh, at the time of the Cowboys game Sunday night. So now you're looking at about four and a half weeks by the time, you know, next week around. Uh, and he play? Absolutely. I think this is a situation where he should be able to play. Um, the fact that, you, you, you know, you hear him doing a dance-off, that's all good signs. I mean, he's feeling relaxed enough that he's fooling around, willing to put, you know, one limb on, his, on the ground and jump and hop on it. But that's still different than being able to cut and, and be able to twist on that ankle. And when he was uh, in pregame workouts Sunday night, if you watch the video, he really was struggling with that. So, you know, yeah, I, I anticipate that. it's the same kind of discussion we were having last week. You know, I don't think he's going to be 100% effective. I, I imagine that he will play this weekend because he's at that four-and-a-half-week mark. Um, but he won't be 100%, but he should be good enough that he'll get some receptions, He'll be good enough to be a great decoy, but he's not going to be what we know as Odell Beckham quality. Not quite yet. I think you need another week or two before you start seeing that. Yeah, well, you know, I can't even dance with two good ankles. 
So if, he, if that's any <laughs> indicator, this, that team looked horrible without him. The Giants looked, they oh, couldn't yeah. move the ball. They yeah. need him badly. What do you they, think? They were lost. They're destined they were for lost. the Giants. Oh, they were. They could not move, and they looked horrible. They have no running game. For all those people that drafted Paul Perkins, he's a dud. What do you think yeah. they're in New York? I think Jesse? what they really are doing is, you know, they're relying on Odell to open up the passing game, and by opening up the passing game, the hope uh, that I think they're hoping to, you know, try to have a running game. And, and without Odell, you can't do any. And so that's where they get stuck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't have much of a running. A lot game. of people, a lot of people were hoping that Marshall was gonna. You know, do things. Saint Eli, you need going to big receiver, and yeah, he went one for ten, I think, or something. He was. I don't think they targeted him to like the fourth quarter or something. And no, Shepard. Shepard did okay, um, but I mean, this offense is completely different without with and without Beckham. I mean, if Beckham plays, maybe you throw Eli in a GPP, but uh, if not, then uh, no, I, I, I avoid I, all of them. I wait for someone else to start, uh, you know, Beckham, and then if he gets re-injured or if he's just a decoy, and then he's just a waste of a, a high pick or, a, you know, a high um, a wide receiver. But uh, I'm waiting for him. I think there's a probably a 60, maybe 70% chance he starts. Whether or not he actually is, you know, effective, all it takes is one play for him, but we'll see. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Um, all I know is that I'm not touching him this week. Yeah, I, I will say, though, I, I certainly wouldn't count the Giants out. I mean, this was one game, first game, and you know what? The Giants notoriously are slow-starting teams this season. I mean, this is what we've come to know of the Giants. And so I, I think once Odell gets back and he's healthy and that offense gets rolling again, I think by midseason they're going to kind of hit their stride, and, and that's kind of what we see every year. Oh, yeah. They, you, you make a good point, though, uh, Dr. Parekh. He They are a slow-starting team and take a little while to get going. They, they, I don't even know how good they're going to be with him in the lineup. It's going to be really interesting uh, there in New York. Another guy that we're going to talk about next, uh, we have a couple more players' injuries that we're going to talk about, is Danny Amendola, who suffered a concussion, you guys. and his, I, I went on the Fantasy Doctors Analytics and looked up his injury history because he has a long history of injuries, various injuries. So uh, he has last concussion was in 2013. This is a guy that has battled injuries his whole career. And I know these are hard to predict as far as their return to play, Dr. Parekh, but what's your thoughts on Amendola? Uh, is this going to be a problem with him? And these injuries are starting to mount, mount up for him, Amendola. Yeah, so one of the great things with our Fantasy Doctor website, analytics website, is you can go on and you can actually look at these injury, uh, the injury history of these players, which is fantastic. So when you have a guy like Danny Amendola who continues to get injured throughout his career, you can look at that and get a sense of what's really going on with him and how injury prone is this guy. And when we hear these terms of, okay, the guys are getting older, are they more injury prone? If they've had X, Y, or Z injuries, does that make them set them up for, for higher injuries? And, and we start trying to capture that for our listeners. And so it's a great feature on our website. Um, concussions, you've heard us say it, both Jesse and I have said this time and time again. Uh, concussions, no, no two are alike. There's no way to give a, a prediction as to timelines. Everyone's a little, every, very different. You'll see some of these concussions that on video look really mild, but take weeks to get better from. And then you see these ones that you're, you're like, they got slammed by a you know, 16-wheeler, and they're back the next week. But if you look at the data on concussions, 
over 60 to 70 percent of them will miss one week at least. So I think that, you know, we're not going to see Amendola unless something happens with the neuro, uh, neurologic testing that they do daily on him. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him back, uh, not this week. Yeah, I'm with you there. What does this slide in New Orleans? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you guys. They taking every precaution with these concussions. What's this do for the receiving core there in New England, Jesse? Kevin Hogan, who dropped uh, an egg, he laid an egg last week, got one point. What does this do for, does that give him an, an uptick there and they're going to be looking his way and maybe Gronkowski? Uh, what does it do for the Patriots? Oh, God, Chris Hogan, yeah. I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, they. so here's the thing we, people got to realize, and I'm a diehard Patriots fan, so uh, take this with a little bit of a grain of salt, but um, that was the best defense they'll face all season, okay? They always struggle versus the Chiefs, so kind of hard to measure them based on that performance. Brady was rattled. He missed a wide open first pass to Allen. I mean, he, it wasn't even close. Um, so they need Amendola to fill that slot that, uh, uh, that Edelman lost because of his ACL. Now Hogan's going to be in there, but, uh, you know, they need multiple pieces. They need these short dink and dunks, uh, so that cooks can, uh, can uh, go run down the field. I mean, uh, Dorsett, I think, will be more important this week. I think Gronk, who's also notoriously slow starter, I think he'll kind of turn it up a little bit. Uh, White will be uh, also in the backfield, kind of catching passes a lot. And then Burkhead, I think, will finally uh, maybe pay a little more dividends this week. But Amendola is going to be important. They need him for the long run. I don't think they'll they'll rush him back. Uh, and, and as we said, concussions are really hard to gauge. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was back uh, maybe next week or the week after um, just because they're they're short on targets, but he's important in the long run. Yeah, Burkhead is a guy that I'm just kind of waiting. You just There's a lot of hype in the preseason about Burkhead and, and fantasy, and I'm just waiting to see. Gillisley, obviously, with the three scores, paid huge dividends for fantasy owners. He looks like the short yardage guy and the goal line back there, so he could be a nice... Uh, fantasy asset this season. Uh, last player I want to talk about, fellas, and that's CJ Fedorovich, uh, who was placed on the injured reserve with a concussion. I did some digging around, and he got placed on the IR because he suffered two concussions in short succession. Pretty scary stuff. Dr. Preck, what do you make of this? Is that obviously this is um, part of the concussion protocol and him having those two concussions in a relatively short span, him going on the IR. Is this a good thing? Well, I, I think it's a good thing for the players. You know, the bottom line about concussions is we just don't know a lot about it. We don't know a great way to diagnose it. We don't even know a great way to treat it. And, and you know, the, the story last year was, okay, rest these guys, get them off of all their mental activities and the rooms and let them recover and recuperate. But since last season, there's more data coming out that maybe we do things amazing and get them involved a little bit sooner. Maybe we do let them get into practice and let them do non-contact practice. And so the data is all over the place. And the bottom line is we just don't know a lot. So when you have two successive concussions close to each other and you, you have a scenario where an athlete is suffering concussion after concussion, to put them on the aisle 
to get him, you know, eight weeks to really uh, get a chance to recover is a good thing for the athlete. Now, fantasy owners may not like that, and the, and the owner may not like it, but you know what? The bottom line is we've got to think about player safety, and this I like this policy. Yeah, this, the Houston Texans tight end core is a hot mess on Jesse. Not only is, is Fedorovich is, suffered a concussion, but the second and third string uh, tight yeah. ends also suffered concussions. They're all going to miss week two. What? It's a mess there in Houston. Oh, and, and they play tomorrow night. I mean, we're taping on Wednesday and they play on Thursday. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how you have five concussions in one, from one team in one game. I know that's a record, but that must be that, a record. That's crazy. All I know is that Fedorowicz is a big loss for both fantasy and for the for the Texans because he was a big pass catcher, kind of underrated but reliable guy. Um, I think they're worried about you know every time you get a concussion, you dramatically increase your risk for getting a new one. Um, so and then Ryan Griffin, this is the backup, also suffered a concussion, so he'll be out. So it looks like. Steven Anderson, you know, is their third string. He may be playing uh, this week, but I don't really, I wouldn't consider looking into him. Um, but but the thing I'm worried, uh, you know, I'm focusing on is Watson actually replaced Savage pretty early, uh, and, and which I thought was kind of bold, but I liked it. Um, but then, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins went bananas after, uh, after Watson came in, I mean, Hopkins had 16 targets in week one. That's tied for the league lead. And out of those 16, Watson gave him 11 after he got there. So 11 of 20 of his 23 passes were targeting Hopkins. That's crazy. And now he doesn't really have anybody else. He has Jalen Strong, who just came back from one game suspension. He has Braxton Miller converted, you know, QB and, and maybe a sneaky kind right. of deep flyer. Uh, and then Jim Lamar Miller. That's really it. I mean, he doesn't have yeah. anybody else to throw to. So um, I right. love DeAndre Hopkins this week, even though he might be double teamed. I mean, they don't have anybody else to throw to, and he's going to throw to him 20, <laughs> 20 times. Right. Well, just and for our listeners, Steven Anderson has also been ruled out, Jesse, with a concussion. So they're oh, down okay. to a guy. Yeah. So Ryan, uh, Griffin and Anderson are both been ruled out with concussions as well. They're down to a guy named Evan Bayless, whoever that is, for their tight end. So you got to think Nuke is going to get all the looks for Houston this week. Yeah. Another thing I, I, I think we uh... – it got kind of swept underneath the rug and we didn't see it is that Jordan Reed, they finally announced that he had a fractured big toe. What, uh, Dr. Preck, what do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I they did not clarify what I was seeing, whether it was a sesamoid or not, but I've I thought all along, it's always been the sesamoid Jordan Reed towards the middle of preseason said, Hey, he's got a fracture of the big toe. And, and, uh, and if it is a sesamoid, um, you know, he had a, a night against the Eagles. It wasn't anything to write home about. Um, I don't know. Jordan Reed keeps saying that his foot feels good in the orthotic and that he'll keep playing. But as if I would keep a close eye on this because uh, the sesamoid fracture, if that's the area that's fractured, is part of a complex of what we call turf toe syndrome. And we know that these can become re-aggravated fairly easily. And if it does, and he's got that fracture... Don't be surprised at some point in the season that he is knocked out and ends up with surgery. Oh, yeah. 
Wow. There's uh, a couple things I'd like to uh, add, Jeff, whenever you have a minute about some of the top plays of the week. Um, and we didn't even have a chance to touch on any of the defensive guys that got injured, too. Well, let's talk. Let's do that now, Jesse. Let's talk about some of the top plays of the week. What's, what do you got? What do you have for our listeners? Um, quarterback, I mean, you got Rodgers always, always in play. He looked great last week against a usually difficult Seahawks team. Carr, I think, is going to go bananas this week versus the Jets. I believe he's playing. Russell Wilson, Wilson's going to bounce back versus uh, 49ers, and then Brady's going to so. pep, pepper up yeah, I need him uh, the Saints. Yeah, yeah. so th- those are kind of uh, reliable options. Um, for running backs, I like Hunt. I mean, don't expect what he did week one. That was, I mean, he, that was a banana. I mean, he had a monster week, and he may never, ever do that again, but he's legit, as you could tell. Elliott, kind of underrated because no one expected him to play. Play him again. Melvin Gordon, Marshawn Lynch may have a solid week. Um, Gillisley, as we saw with the three T's, somebody's going to take up all those Blount TVs from last year, and I think they'll have one or two this week. Carlos Hyde may be a, a decent option this week. So those are some wide, uh, sorry, running backs that I like. Yeah, let's. You know, I, we talked earlier about our analytics and sort of the analytical approach that goes that's behind a lot of what we're talking about. And you'll hear us refer to the FDX score a lot on this show. And what we're referring to is the actual score that we place on players, much like a FICO score that we've, you know, talked about in our first episode. And there's a lot of factors that go into this, like age, height, weight, recent performance. And what the FDX does, we're not trying to change the way you think. We're just replicating that info and, and helping you with in building statistical algorithms that just kind of help you in choosing your fantasy players. Uh, Dr. Preck, what do you, with, in terms of our FDX score, how do you see this helping the fantasy player this year? Is what should, should they make it a part? I've been saying this and I've been harping on this for weeks, a part of their weekly research. This is a hundred percent data driven algorithms. This isn't, yep. A guy in his basement that's blogging about football, telling you, "Hey, this guy's going to have a good week," just based on a gut feeling, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, we're in a world that's full of data, and and this is the first time that there is an opportunity to collect and understand data in a in a number that you can say, okay, based on this FDX score, it takes into account their all of their background from their injury profiles to their playing profile to their stats, their age, their weight. It takes. It, this is a culmination of all of that data in an algorithm that spits out a number so that you know what the health is of the player. And I think that's critical. You need to understand that when you are trying to figure out who you play, who you bench, who you get off the wire, all that stuff. And, uh, and now we have a, a way to understand that. And it's just like you said, it's not just based off of, you know, somebody who calls themselves the, you know, the injury expert and tries to, to kind of tell you his opinion. This is an opinion. This is data. This is real information that you can wrap your head around in a way that you can understand it. And that's the difference. Right. Yeah, it's groundbreaking stuff. We're really proud of it. You guys can go see that at thefantasydoctorsanalytics.com. It's free for six weeks. So get in there and look around and have some fun with that. We don't have a whole lot of time, Jesse. So give me a few names or some sneaky plays for week two using that FDX score that we're talking about. And just give me a few because we're running out of time here. 
Um, I mean, I like, um, I like Thielen again. I mean, I think, I think he's going to be kind of sneaky. I think he'll be, he'll be helpful. I like Rivers, Philip Rivers. I think he may be a, a sneaky play. Um, Bradford went bananas. Don't be surprised if he doesn't go off again. Um, as far as running backs, um, Ingram's up there. Based on what the Patriots showed me last week, try it. See, they, they couldn't stop anybody last week. What's going to change this week? Um, you know, Ajay, you kind of forgot about Ajay because they had, you know, the Hurricane Irma kind of caused that game to, to uh, be canceled. So you throw him in. Uh, Gore may have a sneaky week because they don't have anybody else to, to do anything with the ball. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, um, uh, Mike Evans is back, so don't forget about him. Thomas will have a, right. will have a good week for New Orleans for, against my Patriots. Um, Calvin Benjamin may have a, a solid week, and I, I really like Baldwin this week. I think he has a, a solid line. And then um, uh, don't forget about Ertz, who, who, who had a great week, and Rudolph. And then our, our sneaky Clay, who ended up winning me nice, some nice money in DFS this week. Um, you know, those are all guys that that both uh, uh, the, the fantasy doctor score loves, as well as uh, who, who uh, game script is showing that has good potential. So th- those are a couple guys that I'll have in yeah. some of my lineups as well. Yeah, just for our listeners too, we from our week one projections. Uh, Jesse and I made several lineups in DFS and did really well based on our projections at the Fantasy Doctors Analytics. So it's pretty cool. Get in there and make some lineups. I'm going to mention a couple guys that I think are have a lot of value. Um, one is another guy that's coming back this week is Jacquez Rogers, who's the starter there for the Tampa Bay. We have a 77.16 FDX uh, score, which is we're projecting him to get just over 12 points. Could be a sneaky play there for the Bucks. And I also already mentioned Marquise Lee, who I think might be a sneaky play, and he's on the cheap in DFS, 3,800 on DraftKings. And you alluded to Jay Ajayi, Jesse. Um, I think he's a great play this week. He has an outstanding 84.96 FDX score, and we're predicting him to get just over 15 points, 15.09. So another good play. That's going to do it for us, guys. We hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're new here, go subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a review. This is the only podcast on the web where you can get expert injury analysis and accurate timetables. This is the Fantasy Doctors Podcast, and we'll see you next time.